1: All right, welcome back to the Sports Media Watch podcast. This is John Lewis along with Drew Lerner. Don't forget, if you have not already, please subscribe to the SMW Podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's just begin with the ratings from Sunday night. The Chiefs and the Jets, 26.7 million viewers on NBC, if you include the Adobe Analytics streaming audience. Uh, On Nielsen alone, it was just shy of uh, 25 million viewers. The female audience was up 29% versus the first three weeks of Sunday Night Football. The male audience was up 16% from the first three weeks. So if we are to presume that the female audience would unduly tune in because of the presence of a certain celebrity in the crowd, uh, that effect is not as intense as I would have, uh, have thought you know it's still bigger there's clearly an impact but if we're assuming that it's only women who would tune in for this celebrity and not men which i don't know if that's if i don't even know if that's a good assumption but that's kind of the way this has been reported right the assumption has been that the female viewership is up because of that factor well that's not that big of a gap men's viewership up 16% to me if we're assuming that men were not driven by that factor again maybe that's not a safe assumption if we're assuming that then maybe there was just some juice for this matchup generally uh but uh, certainly 2.1 million more female viewers for Heat's jets than in the first three weeks of the season so drew i will bring you in what are your thoughts on uh the uh the ratings from sunday night
2: yeah i mean you bring up some good points, but I, I do think there's a clear counterfactual here. Uh, if we want to look past uh, She Who Shall Not Be Named on this podcast, you know, this was a kind of a big time matchup, right? You have the Kansas City Chiefs, who's one of the top two ratings draws in the league this year against a huge market team in the New York Jets. And shockingly, you know, it didn't look like it at the beginning, but the Jets came back and kept the game close. And it was close up until late in the game. So those are two huge factors that, you know, maybe are getting overlooked a little bit. Um, You know, the Nielsen number, just under 25 million, uh, it's notable that that window actually outrated the single game Sunday afternoon window on Fox this week, which doesn't typically happen. So that's notable. But taking all those factors into consideration, uh, there is certainly they there there with the female audience um i'm looking at your right up here john females 12 to 17 up 53 percent uh women 18 to 24 up 24 percent, and then 35 and up plus 34 percent you know maybe there's viewership anomalies like this uh it's certain games just throughout a given season normally there's Probably outliers in viewer, viewership data just given how Nielsen samples uh, their their viewership. However, you know, it, it would be a bit of a coincidence in my mind if th- this is just an anomaly. Certainly, there's probably some juice with that celebrity and that particular audience. How much can be attributed to her? That's what's up for debate.
1: Well, first, I want to say it's not so much that he can't be named, but my general policy in circumstances like this, when something's just out of the barn and just way too much, I will say this. The first mention of Trump on Sports Media Watch is from you. Then you're really? live. My website is like Newman's New Millennium. Newman said the New Millennium must be Jerry free. Sports Media Watch is Trump free. It's Taylor Swift free. It's free of all of that just extra stuff,
2: right? (laughs) So I I suppose that article was probably the first time you mentioned, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salman as well and, you know, other political (laughs) (laughs) figures. But uh, that's funny because I I was going to come on here, John, and say that um, you committed possibly, you know, what some might consider just a journalistic dereliction of duty in this write-up by not mentioning the name Taylor Swift in this article. And I noticed you did get some heat on it on your website and on Twitter for noting the female viewership increase, noting that the game um, you know, had all these increases across the board without mentioning that certain celebrity, Taylor Swift. Um, I found that humorous. Clearly intentional. If it goes with the ethos of the site, as you said.
1: Yes. Uh SMW, you know, I don't do anything for clicks. I actually really honestly don't. Um, you know, and so uh I'm not getting in on the uh, on the SEO, on the SEO trip here with uh with Taylor Swift. But you know, as you were saying, the reality is there's it's too much to be a coincidence, right? Chiefs Jets, even in a close game, is not gonna get nearly 25 billion viewers just on Nielsen it's it's not going to get that kind of number having said that one women watch the nfl women watch sports a third of the nfl audience is women right so the idea that oh my goodness look at all these women watching the nfl well after that 29 percent growth some of them were watching just for the game because it is the kansas city chiefs right so let's let's get that straight women watch sports they don't need Taylor Swift to watch sports. Uh, now, is it true that there are some women who would tune in because she was there? Obviously, that's true. But if that growth among men was 16%, right? And we're assuming, and maybe that's not a correct assumption, we're just all the reporting left unsaid, the assumption is that men are not tuning in at a higher clip for Taylor Swift. So if that game was up 16% in men, who's to say? that a good chunk of that 29% was not women just tuning in for the game, because again, women actually do watch sports. It shouldn't be at the point where we are like, oh, well, they need Taylor Swift to watch, right? Um, so there's that aspect. Uh, I do think there is a real impact, obviously. Um, but, you know, I mean, what do you do with it? It's not, these, you're not going to convert someone who's tuning in just for Taylor Swift. is not going to become an NFL junkie, right? Um, and the reality is that this is, it's strange, I won't deny it. I can't relate. You know, like, I'll tell you, LeBron James, for example. Uh, I enjoy watching LeBron James play basketball. I have not watched Space Jam 2, and I never will. I have not watched Trainwreck. I have not watched any of LeBron's Spring Hill productions. I've not watched The Shop, but I'll watch him play in the preseason. I love watching LeBron James play. I'm grateful to have had 21 years to watch LeBron James play. But I'm not watching his other stuff. It's, I can't relate to the idea that you like a performer so much that you will watch something you would never otherwise watch because they're in the stands. I I, I mean, so it's difficult for me to relate to that behavior.
2: Yeah, and, and that's, you know, kind of what makes me think personally that this is, more of a flash in the pan rather than something that's sustainable like kind of what we've seen with deon sanders in colorado although we did see a decline this week and i'm sure we'll get to that but i don't think this is going to be in every chiefs game you know there's going to be a huge spike in viewership a huge bump in female viewership just because taylor swift and travis kelsey may or may not be dating um i think a lot of this actually maybe not a lot, but there's certainly part of this that that goes towards the marketing with this game, which I don't know if you saw the marketing campaign, both on social and on linear television. But you now it was a commercial with a Taylor Swift song in the background. It was on NBC all week showing Travis Kelsey highlights and, and playing Taylor Swift, right? So that obviously can catch the eye of a certain subset of viewers, and maybe they tune in because of that. Also, the broadcast itself very much played into the Taylor Swift phenomenon. According to Front Office Sports, the broadcast cut to Taylor Swift 17 times throughout, what, a four hour window, three, three and a half hour window. I mean, (laughs) that sounds like a lot to me. As someone who actually enjoys when, you know, broadcasts cut to celebrities, Um, because I just like, you know, (laughs) seeing what high profile people are watching these games. 17 times is absurd, right? I mean, you're blatantly playing into it at that point. And and so that might have kept that subset of viewers around even longer than they would have if they had maybe shown her a few times at the top of the broadcast and then kind of stayed away from it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I find it a little annoying to kind of have to defend the position that sports casts should not do this in excess, because it's seemingly a mainstream position. Whether you're talking about Taylor Swift now, or you're going back and talking about the 5 million cutaways to Dak Prescott when Mississippi State was in the women's final four, or you're talking about during the U.S. Open every five minutes, Oh, hey, did you know Nicole Kidman's here? Well, I could care less if Nicole Kidman's here, right? I'm, I'm trying to watch the match. You know, it's, you know, they missed part of a Heat-Knicks play back in the NBA playoffs because they were showing Spike Lee. And I know, it all worked out. NBC was vindicated because the ratings were good. But, you know, just because the ratings are good doesn't mean you're putting out a good product. That's something that does need to be noted.
2: Well, right? you know... The- you're you're right and to people like us who are, you know, media critics, we can say that, but at the end of the day the objective measure of what's a good product is how many people are watching, right? So if they are maintaining a higher viewership by showing Taylor Swift 17 times, can you argue that it's a worse product than if they haven't?
1: So we're arguing that Bill O'Reilly and Tucker Carlson were a good product, right? Or to use a less political example, Young Sheldon and The Big Bang Theory. You know, I mean, Ratings do indicate something. They indicate that you're doing something right. But it is entirely possible to do things wrong and get really good ratings. Joe Millionaire, the final episode, had 40 million viewers in 2003. 40 million. You realize that none of those Yankees Red Sox games, because that's 2003. So none of those Yankees Red Sox games in 03 or 04 had as many viewers as Joe Millionaire, the final episode, did on Fox. We know that Joe Millionaire wasn't good. We all know that, right? So look, I mean, I get it. It, it. for someone like me who is a traditionalist and you know wants it to be focused on the game, uh, I, I find it it's just totally not my scene at all. Uh, you know, I mean, I watched less of that game than I normally would. I honestly did. One, because I didn't expect it to be a good game. It's it gets. Uh, but also, this whole thing with Taylor Swift, I said it last week, it's just a little bit too high school for me. I'm still in adults 18 to 34. So everybody know this, there is at least one person in adults 18 to 34 who really doesn't care for this stuff, all right? Now, again, I'm in the minority, uh, and you know I, I will continue to report objectively and dispassionately, even though I'm not a fan of what's going on. It's obvious there's an impact, it's obvious people are tuning in. Um, is it overstated? It is, I would say, overstated just because Again, that, that gap between male and female viewership is not so dramatic, uh, but you know, I also think it's just really important that we not go backwards in terms of our perception of what drives women to watch sports, because women have been watching plenty of sports where Taylor Swift is nowhere in sight for a very long time. Uh, and uh, someone like Taylor Swift is not needed to bring in female viewers. And if your idea of bringing in female viewers is just plopping Taylor Swift in the crowd, then you are failing them. Uh, so that that I think is also important amidst all the you know light-headed giggling from the evident gas leak that we're all experiencing in this country.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, let's move on to some of the other NFL games and just go through the viewership real quickly. There, uh, the Fox national window four thirty um, main game was Cowboys. Patriots, which was a blowout, that got 23.3 million, 1.5 million fewer than the NBC night game. Uh, And then CBS, 16.8 for their 1 p.m. games. Fox, 13.2 for their 1 p.m. regional games. Um, Top line takeaways from the rest of the NFL slate.
1: Boring. Uh, Obviously, the Cowboys, every game they've been featured in this year, they've won in a rout. The only game that they've lost that was even competitive went only to 33% of the country, although obviously the whole country got the second half. You know, Dallas being good is great, but they have to play good games. These games have been ridiculous. Get the Patriots out of there. They're not good enough. They don't deserve the kind of national TV slate that they got under Brady. You need to acknowledge at this point that the Patriots are no longer relevant in that way. Uh, The Jets, we know Rodgers is why they got on national TV. You got to live with it. The Giants had a good year last year, and we all kind of got fooled. We all got fooled by, by the New York Giants, and now we're stuck with them all season. But the Bears are never good. The Bears are always who we thought they were. And why in the world are they getting so many national TV games?
2: It's, it's fascinating, John. Um, you know, for as much as the league has tried to make it easier for the offense to move the ball, score points, there are still so many horrid offenses in this league and specifically those teams seem to be the ones that get a lot of national window games I'm talking about the Steelers the Giants the Jets uh, the Bears the Raiders you know the Saints all these teams are absolutely dreadful offensively can barely move the ball can barely score um and they're the ones that are taking up a lot of national windows um it's It's actually quite crazy that um, so many high profile teams just can't can't put out a competent product offensively.
1: well, you also have to factor in sometimes teams do great on offense one week and score seventy points and then come into the big game the following week and get blown out like Miami did. So you know that was a great matchup on paper, didn't materialize. The one threat to the NFL as a TV ratings draw is that the games won't be good. We spent you know, two, three years dealing with the Trump nonsense about how the NFL was dying, yada, yada, yada. It was because the games weren't good. I mean, obviously, I think there was probably some blowback in terms of the Kaepernick stuff, but that was also a period of time you get blowouts every single week. And there's been an uncomfortably high number of blowouts so far and not enough of the kind of high quality games. You know, Red Zone, especially in that late window, the witching hour, as they refer to it, is is, is really usually pretty great. And then the late windows are pretty good, too. And they were just not interesting at all this week. I know the Washington-Philadelphia game went overtime. There was a big comeback, I think, Indiana Indianapolis versus somebody was a big comeback. I don't even remember. But the late window games were atrocious. And it was probably one of the more boring nights of red zone that I can remember in recent times. And uh, that's the threat to the NFL. I mean, there's no real threat to the NFL, right? But if you're going to have a season that's going to do as well as some of these high points have indicated, and there have been some really nice high points so far this year, the games are going to have to be better because there's, what, 13 more weeks left, 14 more weeks. You know, there's a lot of time for this to kind of either get better or go haywire uh, Or go haywire with some of these teams left on the schedule.
2: Yeah, great point. All right, John, now to the college side. Um... What is this week four that we've led college football with the Deion Sanders story? Um, Once again, the top rated game and then in the college football space, USC, Colorado, 7.24 million, just a couple thousand under their opening game against TCU, which does make this Colorado's least watched game this year. However, it's still a huge number for that big noon window. Uh, was pretty uncompetitive in the first half. I actually personally fell asleep on my couch uh, and then woke up to a pretty close fourth quarter. But, um, John, what is your takeaway from $7.24 for USC Colorado this week?
1: Well, first, I'll say I fell asleep in the Bartman game before uh, all that stuff happened in the eighth inning. So I definitely regret that. But what's my impression about Colorado and USC? Tremendous number. Tremendously high number. Uh, the fact that your least watched game all season had 7.2 million viewers is crazy. But let's talk about the power of celebrity because we're talking about an NFL game where at least some people tuned in just because Taylor Swift was in the crowd. How different is that than what we've seen with Dion? Because my assumption has been that people are tuning in, yes, Dion is bringing them there, but they're staying for what he's doing at Colorado, this overhaul of the team on the field, this underdog story. Is it possible they're just tuning in because they like Dion? I mean, that would be crazy, but you kind of have to think about it because maybe there's an element of just, oh, Dion Sanders is there. I'm going to watch, which seems like such a trivial reason to sit down and watch a three hour long college football game. But, you know, that celebrity power. I mean, my thought has always been that it's a combination of the celebrity power bringing people in and then the story keeping them there. But who knows? Maybe we've reached a point where it's just, hey, Dion's on the sideline, so they're going to cut to him, you know, throughout this three and a half hour period. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah,
2: you know, I, I think it's more important that the on-field product is actually uh, exciting for Colorado than it is for this whole Taylor Swift story. Um, I think you know, the broadcasters have actually done a good job at creating some characters on this Colorado team with the Sanders kids. Obviously, Travis Hunter, who has not been able to play due to injury the last couple of weeks, um, you know, and some of Colorado's other players are becoming household names uh, within college football. Uh, whereas you know the Taylor thing, I think, like I said, flash in the pan, just got a lot of media attention, a lot of hype, um, but it doesn't really affect what's happening on the field. The thing with Dion is he's changed the way Colorado plays football. He's changed the players on the field, and he's you know made an exciting brand of football uh, that that you said that you mentioned. An underdog story as well. certainly that will help get viewers to tune in.
1: Yeah. and uh, it's an underdog story. I don't know how much this would matter, but Colorado did used to matter a long time ago. Maybe there's a little residual return to glory. This isn't Florida State or Texas we're talking about, but maybe there's something to that as well. But uh, it's fascinating, you know, for years since COVID, the story has been how do we get people back to watching sports on TV? And it just seems like the answer is with all this extra stuff that has nothing to do with the game. Uh, and uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, it, I, I guess I have nothing else to say. It, it's, it, there's nothing else to say other than we've reached a point where the stuff that's driving the viewership is not anything to do with the actual, you know, on-field play. I mean, obviously, the Colorado games are good, but... You well, know,
2: I, mean? I think it's a bit disingenuous. I mean, Dion's the head coach, right? You know, he has a direct impact on what's happening on the field. Um, but... I do think you're probably right in the sense that, you know, most of this media circus surrounding Colorado is because Dion's on the press. He's doing every show. His press conferences are almost as much watch as the games, you know, based on what he's said in the past. Right. So there's this kind of factor if you really never know what is next with Dion. And I, I think that gets people tuning back in. But there certainly is an element to the on-field play, I think, that, that has contributed.
1: Yeah, you, you you are correct there. But uh why don't we switch gears to something that's not going to have any off-court or off-field appeal here, which is the MLB postseason? The only thing that's going to drive viewership for this baseball playoffs is on the field. There's no storylines. There's no celebrities. It's going to have to be the game speaking for itself.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think, John, you are underrating that Joan Jett is a huge Orioles fan and will probably be in attendance for some of their games in Camden Yards. So yeah, I don't.
1: I I actually know what Joan Jett's music sounds like.
2: <laughs> well, you know, if she can get even a, a percent of the Taylor Swift bump that the NFL's gotten, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Major League Baseball would be quite happy with the Joan Jett bump. But um anyway, you're right. Uh, the the storylines for baseball are very much going to be about the on-field product. Um, I couldn't name a quote unquote national storyline going into this postseason. A, you know, baseball is a very localized sport to begin with. So as someone who lives in the DC area, I've really only been following the Orioles thus far. So I know about some of the AL East teams and the Orioles, but outside of that, don't really know much. Um, And I think baseball is kind of unique in that sense where you have to kind of get into the series before you really know what the storylines are going to be on the field. Uh, NBA is a little similar in that regard, but NBA has more national storylines, I think, usually going into the postseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had LeBron versus Steph Curry in a playoff series, right? I mean, you know, that's as good as it gets. I will say this for baseball. If they can actually have a good postseason, then that's kind of refreshing to have something that's Organic, not forced, not a creation—at least in part of the media—but something that happens genuinely. I mean, I've been watching a lot of old uh, baseball on CBS on YouTube for some reason. You know, I was watching the Atlanta Minnesota series and thinking to myself about how much that is what you want in sports: two teams that came out of nowhere—they were last place the previous year—and they make it to this championship round, and it goes to full seven, 10 innings in game seven, 50 million viewers, by the way, for that game seven back in 91. There's something about that that is about as good as it gets because, yeah, obviously Cavs, Warriors, Cubs, Cleveland, those are amazing storylines. But sometimes the most fun is when you get something great that nobody was expecting. I'm not talking about Denver, Miami in the NBA finals, and it's the biggest snooze fest in history. I'm talking about teams you weren't expecting and the games are good. Baseball has one part of that. I don't think anyone was expecting these teams. Now we'll see if the games are good.
2: Yeah, and you know, if you are Major League Baseball, you're probably pretty excited honestly, despite the fact that yeah, you know, I'm looking at the bracket right now and there's a lot of small market teams, a lot of potentially snoozer matchups on paper, but this year the games have really taken a step forward the product on the field has been better i know the viewership data of late hasn't been as favorable as say earlier in the season but i think if you just talk to baseball fans you read social media people are happy with where the product's going there's more balls in play the games are shorter It just there's a lot more going on in these baseball games and i think this you know this is the first postseason where, with the new rules And we're going to really see if the ratings kind of bear out some of these improvements to the game, because on paper, like I said, you don't really have the juice there. There's no Yankees. There's no Red Sox. You you have teams that, you know, possible matchups in the, in the divisional series, like Baltimore and Tampa Bay, or, you know, Toronto and Houston, I guess you have Houston. That's kind of big, but, you know, the Marlins could be in the ds the diamondbacks these are not huge market teams or teams that have a lot of national appeal um but these are teams that could actually provide a pretty good on-field product
1: yeah well i mean again it 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 all comes down to the games being good you get a seven game world series and that won't be bad there's not been a game seven in any uh sport uh, in any championship series since covid Now, I can say any championship series because it's only the NBA, baseball, and hockey that do best of seven. And there's not been one winner-take-all game seven for a title since 2019. So we're long overdue because that's a pretty decently long gap with that one in any of those three. Uh, And uh, maybe it'll be the greatest World Series you've ever seen. You know, who knows? Uh, The great thing is you really have no way of knowing with a field like this one. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, where uh, just this week, I was lobbying for this for a long time, uh, ABC has added five Wednesday night NBA games in January, and uh, these will be games that were originally scheduled to air on ESPN, they'll now air on ABC. The writer's strike ended last week, uh, in fact, all those late night comedy shows are back on the air, so uh, yeah Uh, Uh, oh
2: yeah yeah i was really missing my daily dose of stephen colbert and jimmy fallon
1: yeah that's honestly the late night shows returning is the only downside of the strike ending in my view i I was enjoying the, the the respite uh but so the writer's strike is over but the actor's strike rolls on there is no end in sight yet to hollywood shutdown which means at least right now, ABC is saying we have nothing through February. We're not expecting Abbott Elementary to be back in, you know before February. So ABC, five straight weeks of the NBA, Bulls-Knicks uh, January 3rd, then Pelicans-Warriors, Mavericks-Lakers, Thunder Spurs, Suns-Nets. Not really ABC-quality matchups, but you still get the Warriors and the Lakers and Wembenyama and the Knicks and Durant. So there's still some marquee value. And this is obviously unprecedented for the NBA. You'd have to go back to the 80s to find the last regular season window on broadcast television on a weeknight. Um, I think CBS, even though CBS wasn't the best partner, they would still uh, maybe early in the season give you a Friday night game or something. Uh, Certainly when they were putting the games on, you know, at 1130 after the local news. But uh, so there's no real precedent for this, but it'll help the NBA out. Five extra ABC windows might be the difference between being up or down for the season. Uh, and uh, if this can become something that maybe gets built into the next contract, remember, this is a the year they're going to renegotiate that contract. The exclusive negotiating window opens early next year for ESPN and Turner. And it, the NBA wants more games on over the year TV, and now they can say, we like that Wednesday night game. We want that to be a thing going forward. Would the NBA be able to get ABC to uh, to give up a night of prime time that isn't Saturday or Friday? Eh, it's going to be tough, but uh, I think that'll be certainly a good test
2: case. Yeah, and you know we've definitely talked about with these Monday Night Football doubleheaders that you know maybe ESPN brass isn't too thrilled having to give some of their inventory over to ABC. Do you get a sense that? this was the case here or um could this actually be beneficial to you know disney as a whole given that they might want to sell soon um abc
1: well i'm increasingly of the mind that a sale of abc probably isn't going to happen soon uh, uh and it's going to be difficult for disney to extricate itself from abc i honestly think maybe Iger was just trying to signal to his you know to shareholders that Disney was going to take seriously the problems of linear television, not necessarily that Disney's going to actually do anything, but just to say, hey, we hear you, maybe something to that extent. Um, I do think that five NBA games, five Wednesday night NBA games in January is a very small thing for ESPN to give up. So this is not like Monday Night Football. That was a big deal. Uh, I'm still a bit surprised ESPN agreed to do that every week because they didn't have to do it every week. Uh, and, and not keep any uh, exclusives uh, other than the double header weeks. So uh, this is by comparison a blip in terms of uh, in terms of what ESPN is giving up.
2: All right, John, I think that uh, closes out that topic pretty well. Um, closes out the podcast pretty well. Another great week full of celebrity and um, you know lots of fun rating stories so why don't you tee us up for next week uh, and close out the podcast
1: all right well a big story coming up this week if you happen to be into women's basketball i know not everybody is but the wnba finals new york and vegas starts sunday uh that'll be game one sunday game two the following wednesday game three the sunday after that so it's a very stretched out schedule to accommodate espn and abc's football commitments Two of the first three games are on ABC, but both of them are on NFL Sundays. That's going to be tough. Um, I said on Richard Dyche's podcast uh, earlier today, we're taking Tuesday, that I think there should be some consideration to ABC adding game five of that WNBA finals on October 20th, a Friday night. It's a two-hour window. You can put it in after Shark Tank, which I assume, since it's a reality show, I assume they're doing new episodes of that. Put it in nine o'clock start, nine to 11 PM. And, you know, there's so many people who would say the WNBA, the ratings are terrible. Well, the ratings aren't great, but guess what? Neither are the ratings for ABC. Uh, and I do believe that a game five between New York and Vegas would be the type of game that I would see getting at least a million viewers, even on ESPN. So I think on ABC, it's not going to be Friday night SmackDown, but I do think it could be Uh, Good enough to give ABC a nice, solid second place showing that night. Uh, And it would be a huge milestone for the WNBA. Uh, So I I would advocate for putting that Game 5 on ABC. It's not going to happen, but I would advocate for that. Uh, Quick note, the New York Liberty have played in four of the five most watched WNBA Finals games of all time. Here's the problem. The Liberty have not been to the Finals since 2002. Uh, In fact, all of the top five WNBA Finals games involve the Houston Comets. Who no longer exist. It's been a long road for the WNBA. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that these games used to get more than a million viewers. You know, you know, maybe even two, three million occasionally. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was the '90s. Easier to get that kind of audience back then. But for this league to be mired in six figures for 20 straight years is, I mean, something's got to be done. You got to start thinking really creative and, and being willing to take big risks, like a Friday night game five on ABC.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a topic we should revisit uh, during the finals once we get some some data in, because that's certainly a topic we talked about a lot prior to the WNBA season. Um, it doesn't seem as if, you know, viewership has been up as much as expected, or at least they haven't had the, the higher highs that were expected um, this season, at least from this podcast
1: yeah, I mean, look, the reality is WNBA viewership is up every year, but they haven't raised that ceiling yet. And maybe it won't happen this year. Maybe it'll be when Caitlin Clark comes in. Who knows? But that's what the WNBA needs. Not, hey, we're up double digits. Okay. We're still at a point where if Game One of the Finals has even just six hundred thousand viewers, it'll be the most watched game one since two thousand. Yeah, that'll be a point of celebration, but I don't know how much I'd be celebrating the fact that, you know, 600,000 viewers would be a 23-year high. That's not good. It doesn't matter if it's up or, I mean, that's just not where you want to be at this point, because every other women's sport, all of them, can get to a million viewers. Women's volleyball has gotten to a million viewers in the last couple of years. Obviously, women's college basketball, college gymnastics, elite gymnastics, figure skating, softball, Every other women's sport can get to a million viewers, and I just feel like this whole business of celebrating every single increase for the WNBA, when those numbers remain mired in that same low range that they've been in for 20 years, it's a, I mean, I don't want to go too far with it, but it's a little bit of that soft bigotry of low expectations. These numbers aren't good. These numbers should be a lot better, because there is an audience for women's basketball in this country. There's an audience for women's sports in this country. Maybe one of the ways that you could start improving on those numbers is not going up against the NFL every single week. Baseball doesn't put World Series games opposite the NFL anymore, and the WNBA insists on putting two out of the first three on NFL Sundays. Putting a WNBA Finals game on a Friday night on ABC may sound a little crazy, but CBS is putting an NWSL regular season game on a Friday night this week. And I'll tell you something, the audience for, even though we're speaking Rapinoe's final game, the audience for an NWSL regular season game is not going to be the audience for a game five of the WNBA finals. At least I should hope it's not, otherwise the WNBA is in more trouble than I would think. So if the NWSL can get CBS a higher rated network, generally, than ABC, to set aside a night of prime time, a weeknight, for a regular season game, Well, I think there's an argument to be made that the WNBA can get that Game 5 on ABC in a couple weeks. All right, that wraps it up for this week. We'll be back next week with more sports media talk. Thanks for listening.